Envy. Is that really so bad? It could be a big problem we didn't know we had. Stay with me, because we'll be talking about Envy in just a moment. Hello, friends. Welcome to Open Line with Dr. Michael Radelnik, Moody Radio's Bible study across America. My name is Michael Radelnik. I'm the academic dean at Moody Bible Institute, also professor of Jewish studies and Bible there. So glad we're together live, sitting around the radio kitchen table. We'll be talking about the Bible, God, and the spiritual life based on your questions. But in this first hour, I'll be talking with my friend and regular guest host on Open Line, Dr. Mike Fabares. He'll be discussing his book, Envy, A Big Problem You Didn't Know You Had. If you have a question about envy or how to deal with it, give us a call. You can start calling right now. The phone number is 877-548-3675. Let me give that to you a little bit slower. 877-548-3675. Trisha McMillan is in the producer's chair. Bob Moreau is engineering today. And Laura is answering the phones. Again, the phone number here, you might want to write it down, 877-548-3675. Now, go get your cup of coffee, open your Bible, because we're about to study the Scriptures together, particularly about the issue of envy. And I want to introduce and welcome Dr. Mike Fabares. He's the pastor of Compass Bible Church out in Orange County, California. He's the radio Bible teacher on Focal Point. He's someone who loves answering Bible questions. Hey, Michael, so glad you're joining us today. It's good to be here, Michael, so good. It's like, yeah. I think this is the first time we've been on together. It is. Not your first time on Open Line, I thank God no. uh, for all the times you've been on uh, subbing for me, but uh, first time together. You know, I'm going to tell people how it is that uh, we met. I think this is kind of fun. Okay, Let's I was uh, I was in a in the airport in Denver, listening on my iPhone to Christian radio, and I heard this radio program called In Focus. Is that Focal, it? Point. Focal Point? Focal Point. Focal Point. Yeah. Focal Point. That's it. Sorry about that. Focal Point. And <laughs> I, I'm like, who is this guy? Who is this guy? And uh, I, I I I thought. It's not John MacArthur. It's it's some radio preacher, but I don't know who this is. So at the end, I heard uh, your name, and I looked you up. And then uh, so I found that your your messages, the actual sermons from your church, you have a podcast of those as well, not just for Focal Point. I think it's called Focal Point or something, but it's yeah. it's not the messages from the radio. Uh, they're just your messages from the previous week, and so I started listening to that. And the very first one I listened to is you were answering Bible questions. I guess you do that once a year, is that right? <laughs> well, once a year, yeah, on all yeah. three services. Yeah. yeah, and so I I I listened to this, and the first question that you were asked this is a number of years ago uh, was, "How should a Christian think about Israel and the Jewish people?" And I ah. thought, I thought, oh, <laughs> this look. is a make or break question, right? Exactly. <laughs> And uh, and then uh, it was uh, you answered it just exactly as I would, and I was okay. so grateful to God. And then uh, after that, I kept listening and listening, and listening. And I was going out to Orange County, so I, I I contacted your assistant and I said, "Could I get an appointment to meet this guy?" And I thought I'm going to get an absolute no. 
But no, you agreed, and we got to meet, and I was so grateful to get to know you and and make friends with you that way. So that, that's that's oh, the that's you. Did, I bet a lot of that you didn't know, right? <laughs> that's sweet. Yeah, love it. First question and answer. That's good. I yeah, like it. <laughs> that's great. So anyway, so you've written this book called Envy. Well, I I, I want to know what prompted you to write this book. Oh man, you know it was one of those situations where I'm sitting in a meeting, thinking every meeting I've had today. There's a common problem, and I had just finished preaching through a section in the book of Acts where Paul was run out of a synagogue because they were jealous of him, and I so I started thinking, okay, well, there's these themes of jealousy, but it's worse than that. It's envy. I thought about Jesus being delivered over, Pilate says, because of envy, and I thought, you know, I, I got to find a good book on that. I pulled a little sticky note out and wrote it down, envy, you know, find a book, and so I looked, and I just couldn't find a lot that was written recently on the topic, and... So I thought this probably needs to be tackled, and uh, I was at a conference, and somebody from Acquisitions at Moody Publishing asked, what's on your heart? And I said, well, it's, I, I always answer this the same. They say, what do you want to write on? And of course, you know, as a pastor, you're thinking, well, I just want to preach. Mm-hmm. But uh, I thought, uh, as he walked away, I thought, yeah, there is a topic I think there needs to be a book on. So I called him back over, and I said, I think we need a book on envy. And um, he said, we got to do that. So yeah, it was really something that um, I think he saw and I saw that we don't have a lot of fresh material on that's been written recently on Christians dealing with the sin of envy, and yet the Bible says so much about it. So mm-hmm. I kind of got myself a, a truckload of work the day I opened my mouth and <laughs> said that to the, <laughs> the Moody publisher. Yeah, yeah. well, that you know, I, I have to say uh, it's one of the seven deadly sins, so there are lots of books in history about the seven deadly sins. Envy is one of them, isn't it? And Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, they talk but about I've it all only, the time. I've only read one book about it before this one. Uh, I've read this one, but before that, Joseph Epstein, a secular Jewish writer uh, from Northwestern University who taught literature and writing there, he's the only one that I've ever seen write a modern book about envy till yours. Did you know that? No, well, yeah, I tackled that book in my reading as I was getting ready to write this. And, of course, Moody Publishers are very wise in saying, you know, don't make this more than about 125 pages. And so I I would have quoted him a few times. He's very insightful in a lot of what he writes. I just uh, I didn't have room for a ton of the uh, source work that I was working through. But, uh, yeah, that that book is a seminal work on envy. So Moody Publishers told me to write a book on 50 most important Bible questions and they said no more than about 150 pages. And you didn't care. I wrote, actually, when it, I thought it was going to be that way, but it turned out to be almost 400 pages. So. I remember, yes. I, re- I, I, I read a copy of that book. So that was, yeah, you listened. I didn't. Well, I'm, that's I, right. I'm really grateful because, you know, sometimes you, you give too much, you know, and this is really biblical, really strikes it, and it covers the topic. I love that about it. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, for me, it it was just an easy read. I was real quick, and I got through it. And it, yeah. it took uh, two afternoons. I was done, uh, you know, yeah. my reading time. So that was good. Hey, uh, here's the 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 issue. You know, it's you shall not covet, right? Right. That's pretty clear. I read that in the Bible someplace. I think it's uh, <laughs> Exodus twenty. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> okay. How is that different, or is it different from envy? Well, you can't have envy without coveting, but you can have coveting without envy. 
And, you know, that Tenth Commandment, it's one of the most expanded on. It is the most expanded on of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. And, you know, don't not don't your neighbor's wife, neighbor's stuff, his, his land, his oxen, all that stuff. You're not supposed to envy. And envy is... I'm sorry. You're not supposed to covet. See mm-hmm. me? I'm conflating, just like people yeah. do. Coveting is a strong desire. The way I like to say it is, I can't be happy without that. You know, I would be happy if only I had that. And it's a strong desire for it. And it's kind of pining away that my mm-hmm. happiness really depends on getting that thing. Well, envy is a step above that, right? It's envy is taking that desire and it's moving it toward now I don't like that person. I'm bitter toward uh-huh. that person that has it. Mm-hmm. And, and it, be, it creates all of these, these, these horizontal problems. In other words, it's, 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 a, it's a sin that makes me be bitter and resentful toward the person that has it. I mean, go back to Cain and Abel, right? I mean, the whole problem was Abel had something that Cain wanted, the approval of God, and um, God comes and says, yeah, let's just deal with this between me and you, but he couldn't do that. It was, I'm resentful about my brother, and of course creates this first murder, the murder of his brother, all because he was envious, and that's how the New Testament describes it. So So envy is taking coveting a step further. I I really wasn't envious of this book then, because no, I, I hope not. I, I wouldn't com- be on the show I, today. <laughs> yeah, I coveted that, that. No, I that I wrote. I wish I had written it, but uh, I'm really glad you did, and and I'm really glad that it's available. And so, no, it didn't affect my feelings to you. So that's the difference between coveting and envy. There's that's another right. word that's in the Bible, uh, and it's used of God sometimes. So, uh, and yet I think it's related to envy. So uh, how does this relate to the fact that there's we shouldn't be jealous, right? Yeah. And so yeah. what is that about? Well, jealous is certainly a strong emotion that we have, but sometimes it can be, as you rightly say, it can be a, a virtue. Uh, God is describing himself in Exodus 34 as a jealous God. My name is jealous. I mean, he says that so strongly because we are his people. We are his, we, he's the creator, and, and we should be devoted to our creator, and, and cre- as creatures, we should worship our creator. All that's right. It's like a husband and wife. They ought to be devoted to one another. And when something gets between that, like idolatry or the name neighbor's wife or whatever, there can be appropriate godly jealousy. Mm-hmm. And so we know that that desire uh, can be right or can be wrong. I can say, I don't like that my friend always plays golf with his other friend and not with me, and I'm mm-hmm. jealous. Uh, I feel bad. I feel I feel violated. Well, I don't have any I don't have any claim on my friend at church playing golf with someone else. So I, that, th- there can be inappropriate jealousy too. But jealousy can be good and good or bad, depending on the context. If I have a claim on something that I should, I mean, if someone's camping in my yard every night that I didn't invite to be there, I can be <laughs> jealous for my front lawn. But when it comes to envy, there's no good envy, right? That's the thing yeah. about it. And I think even Epstein said that you, there, there's something that there's nothing good in it. It's like a lot of sins. If you think about it, uh, there's an upside, right? There, there's uh-huh. something I want, I can acquire, but envy is bad all the way around. There's just no way to redeem this. It's not like, well, I know envy's wrong, but I like doing it. It feels good. It doesn't feel good. It's no. never good. It's, it's frustrating because I'm constantly destroying relationships because someone else has something that I wish I had, and mm-hmm. I'm resentful that they have it. Yeah, and it's, it's, there, it could be material things. There's so many things. We're going to talk about more about that, but we're going to take a break right here. And when we come back, we're going to continue talking with Dr. Mike Fabares. And I know I need to say the name of this book about seven times at least, and you do too. So let's see. Uh, the book is Envy, A Problem You Didn't Know You Had. 
And uh, it's something that we can learn how to deal with. And I'm really grateful for this book by Dr. Mike Favaris. We're going to keep talking about it when we come back. So don't go away. You're listening to Open Line with Michael Rayhelm. Stay right there. To open line, I'm Michael Ray Delnick, and I'm so glad to be with you this morning. I have my guest with me. His name is Dr. Mike Fabares. We're talking about his book about envy, a problem you didn't know you had, a problem that we all have, I think, and sometimes in our hearts, and we're going to deal with it and talk about it. But before we do, I want to talk about our current resource. You know, when I went to seminary, the first course we had to take was Bible study methods. It was taught by a master teacher. Howard Hendricks, and Prof, as we called him, he opened our minds on how to study God's Word. And the thing that he did is was it wasn't just intensive, it was fun. We had such joy in that class, learning how to study the Bible. And then Prof Hendricks took that material and committed it to writing into a book called Living by the Book, and that's our current resource. And We'd love to send you a copy. It's our gift to you for, as you send a gift for any size, it's our, our way of saying thank you when you help support Open Line with your gifts. Uh, we want to say thank you, and we're going to send you a copy of Living by the Book. That's the book that Prof. Hendricks wrote. It's a great book on how to read the Bible. It will invigorate your study of the Scriptures. You're going to love it. So thank you for your gifts, and that's how we want to say thank you by sending you a copy of it. If you'd like to give a gift, go to openlineradio.org. That's openlineradio.org. I think that's the easiest way to give, but you can call 888-644-7122. If you have never given to Open Line, this is your opportunity for a great book. I think it's one of the best books. I think, Trish, am I right? This is our first book we've ever offered. Yeah, it's a, it's a, about four years ago when we started doing these resources, Trish just nodded her head at me. Uh, this was the first one that when I thought, what book do I think Open Line listeners would like? This is it. So if you've never given and would like to receive a copy, this is the time uh, to, to join the, the program, so to speak, with your gift. Anyway, thanks so much for doing that. And I'm back with Mike Fabares right now. And uh, okay, so, you know, there are sins. I, I think little sins can pile up. Pastor Mike, and, you know, they, they don't seem to do that much damage. You know, you how bad is that? I mean, it's just a little bit of a sin. How bad can it be? <laughs> yeah, I think if you look at the fruit of the Spirit and all those wonderful things that we think would be great to have, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, uh, there's one fly in the ointment that's going to kill every one of those, right? <laughs> it's It's envy. Right. Yeah. Think about it. And just let's just start with peace and, and, and contentment. And I deal with this in the book. You really cannot have contentment in your life if envy's got a foothold. And it just it's going to it's going to it's on a spectrum. Right. Contentment is the opposite of me being Cain, thinking I can't stand that that woman is more beautiful than me or that guy's got better kids than I do or, you know, whatever. He's got a bigger paycheck. I can I cannot be at peace let alone love the people that I hang out with and are in my small group at church. It's just, it's such a, uh, it's, it's such a, a, 
a villain that does so much damage. And that's why I think so much is going on in Christian circles and in discussions and discipleship groups that are dealing with the symptoms of envy, but we need to get to the root of it and deal with envy itself. And that's mm-hmm. why this book was written to start with. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really think about that. I, I, I think that one of the, the, the most difficult things when I was a pastor was helping people to learn to be content with what God had, had given them, uh, helping to, as for myself, to be content with what God had given me uh, in, in terms of material goods and uh, a house, a car, whatever it is. Uh, I, I always had to remind myself, this is really, God has been much, much more gracious to me than I really deserve. And, and I have to thank him for this and be content. And it's so hard. I, now, you're a pastor. Uh, how often do you have to teach and encourage people about contentment? Well, sadly, I think there's a bit of a mea culpa in this book because I feel like I haven't taught on it like I should. It really is the root of so many things, and I look back through my sermon database and thousands of sermons that I've preached to my own church and other churches, and I, I just I haven't tackled it like I should. Wow. And that's where this the conviction came, even in writing this book, that this needs to be more important. So I did preach a whole series on it, of course, as I was working through the material sure. and doing my research, because I thought, yeah, this has been neglected, not just by you know this modern generation, been neglected by me as a shepherd and a pastor. I just haven't addressed it like I should. So I'm hoping even pastors will read this book, and people that are helping others, they may not be embroiled in envy themselves, although I don't think pastors and seminary you know, uh, professors are immune from this. Matter of fact, I think it's rampant among clergy and, and, mm-hmm. and missionaries, but I do think we need to help people around us see this. And mm-hmm. so it can be a good read, I think, to prepare people in the counseling setting and pastoral ministry to say, we've got we've to identify it and we've got to solve it. The ha- first half of the book is is all about identifying it. The yeah. second half is about solving it. Yeah. You know, I, I once had a situation when I was a congregation planter many, many, like 40 years ago. I was planting a congregation a few years in. The people that had gathered, they just weren't really giving to God. And I went to uh, a church consultant, a uh, congregation planting consultant. I said, why do you think my people don't give? And he said, well, there's two reasons. Either they don't trust the pastor or you haven't taught them as you've taught other spiritual disciplines. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I don't know what the reason is, but I'm opting for the second. That's what. <laughs> Let's hope it's the second. Yeah. And I went back and I began to teach about it. And you know what? It transformed them. So yeah. I think that sometimes as, as pastors, we, we get this uh, vision of what we're preaching, and then all of a sudden we notice we've missed something. There's a blank. And so I'm really glad that as you were preaching through Acts— you picked up on this thing about the envy uh, issue because it's tremendous. It's a it's a bigger problem, and and I I've never heard a sermon series on it. I haven't even heard a sermon on it uh, other than what I listened to you. So that's kind of yeah. interesting. Uh, we're gonna take a call here. Is that okay? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, good. Again, our number eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. We're gonna talk with Bob right now. Listening on WMBI. Welcome to Open Line, Bob. How can we help you? Yes, uh, Michael. Um, God blessings to both of you. I have a question about uh, envy among twins, siblings. Okay, uh, we have the story, of course, of Jacob being envious of his brother's inheritance. and uh, But I see that at times playing out uh, among uh 
people of today, okay, younger younger uh, siblings, uh, twins, being envious of and uh, of their uh, other twin, the older twin, and that it sometimes leaks over into their relationships with other people. So sibling rivalry, isn't that another way of calling it? Uh, no, it's among twins. Oh, not, only twins. You're, I think, well, only twins. I appreciate that. It, that it's, uh, I, I've never had twins, but I had two boys uh, that were three years apart. I got to tell you, there was a lot of sibling rivalry there as well. So. Uh, oh, well, well, I'm the older of, of, of three. I see. Well, anyway, uh, yeah. what, what, does that envy continue uh, to affect other relationships? Uh, I'm not inter- I, I understand that. I'm talking specifically about the relationship of the younger twin for their sibling, their older, uh, the older twin, mm-hmm. and if that leaks over into their relationships with other people. Okay. Uh, yeah. What do you have to say about that? Mike? Well, I, I, I love I love what Tyler Cohen says, the uh, economist. Envy is local, and it's really true, right? We, we're not envy. I'm not envious of Brad Pitt because of his car and his Ferrari in Beverly Hills. I, I know whatever. I, I'm. It's the guy down the hall. It's the guy next door. And if you think about the locality of envy, it, it's so dangerous. That's the breeding ground for it. And so when you think about someone who, who's closer to someone than a twin, right? I mean, these twins they grow up together. They they do everything together. They meet their benchmarks, or at least they think they should at the same time. So yeah, the the problem of envy I can see is magnified in a relationship that's nearby, and there's no more nearby relationship than than being a twin. So yes, I think it's a problem, and I don't always think it's the older versus the younger. You look at Esau and Jacob or whatever. It it, it can be in either direction. Because the the proximity of someone looking across at the other saying, wait a minute, how do they get that and I don't, right? Why do they have an advantage and I don't? And that is the kind of thing that that starts this. When we don't have a clear picture of God's grace, that he has the complete right to hand out blessings the way he wants to, and opportunities, and brains, and beauty, and brawn, whatever he wants to hand out, he can hand those things out however he'd like, and I need to learn to enjoy what I have as a good steward, parlay that into whatever I can for good, and stop comparing everything to the person that's closest to me. And usually it's in an office, or it's in a small group, or it's in some sub-congregation in the church, but yes, I think uh, twins, even though uh, they always like to tell everyone else they have such a wonderful relationship, I think there's a lot of envy that certainly can be uh, bred in the context of the closeness of twins. So Bob, I don't know if you are a twin or you raise twins, but I can see why this is this is a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks. Well, but the point being is that is that envy for the older brother's circumstances does that does that create a problem for them uh, a, a hyper problem uh, of envy for other people beyond yes. their twin. Yes. Yes, of course. In a hyper and I think, sense. In a hyper sense. Yeah, I just think whenever we get a, a rut of sin, we take the off ramp of sin in whatever relationship we have, right? We're more bound. We're more prone to do that in other relationships. Mm-hmm. So yes, I do think whenever you sin in, nearby, you're, you're going to seek uh, to, to to justify and rationalize your sin in other context. So Bob, I do think that. I think it's going to be magnified, it's going to be repeated, it's going to become habitual in someone's life the more they're conditioned to do it in whatever relationship they have that's nearby. 
Yeah, I agree. You know what? Don't you think that uh, the envy between Jacob and Esau affected others like Isaac? Yeah. It had a damaging effect on Isaac, and uh, his favoritism did as well. Um, also, uh, uh, it, it just, I think it, it affected Jacob's wives. It, it, it just had a, an overall a negative effect on them. Uh, and I just, I, I, I'm amazed that there was ultimately a reconciliation between Jacob and Esau. Right. That, that's well, that, kind of hopeful. That, that's beautiful for sure. Yeah. But the reality of having envy take root in our personal relationships, it, it, it just is going to affect the most important relationship, and that is my vertical relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And to me, right, no matter what the context is for my envy, whether it's a coworker or a twin, I'm basically, I've got a problem with God, right? I'm really thinking, okay, God and his sovereignty to give blessings to other people, whether it's my twin or my coworker, Mm -hmm. I'm really shaking my fist at God in an indirect way. And that's where we need to diagnose how this is always going to affect my my prayer life, my worship, my my obedience to the Lord, because I really think it's not fair that he would give someone else that advantage. And so I try and diagnose that in the book, that we always should think about how this affects my relationship with the Lord. Is that is that what you mean by the internal costs of envy? It's one of them, yes. Okay. I think I, I focus initially on the contentment that God would like to have us have. In other words, he'd like us to enjoy the good gifts he gives us, but we can't when I'm resentful towards someone that has a gift I don't have. But ultimately, I get around to dealing with God's sovereignty and passing out beauty and brains and brawn however he'd like. In that classic uh, story that Jesus tells you know, about the day laborers, I mean, that really oh. brings it into clear focus, right? Let's talk about that when we come back, okay? Okay. Good. Uh, We're going to take a a short break here, but don't miss out. We're going to talk about uh, one of the parables that really I think is very important for the issue of envy uh, in our lives. Uh, I'm talking with Dr. Mike Fabares. The book is called Envy, A Problem You Didn't Know You Had. And we're going to be back in just a moment to talk about it some more, so don't go away. This is Open Line with Michael Redelnick. Welcome back to Open Line. I'm Michael Radelnik, and my guest today is Dr. Mike Fabares. We're talking about a terrific book he's written, a little book. It's not, it's not, it won't take you long to read, but it will uh, take some time to process. It'd be a great book to study. Uh, it is called Envy, a Problem We Didn't Know We Had or You Didn't Know You Had, and it is just outstanding, uh, a big problem you didn't know you had. It's a book that you really want to pick up. It's a Moody Publishers book. And uh, we're going to uh, talk about, uh, I mentioned that we're going to talk about a parable in just a moment. But before we do, uh, I do want to talk about, for a moment, we're going to take a couple questions from the mailbag. But uh, I also want to talk about what it means to be a kitchen table partner. Uh, now, I really feel like a partner in ministry with Mike Fabares. Uh, if you think, well, who is that guy? Just about every time I am not here, it's Dr. Mike who's sitting in for me and taking your questions. In fact, there was someone who wrote on Facebook when they saw that Dr. Mike was going to be on how much they prefer Mike because he doesn't do all the chit-chat that I do. So I thought that was kind of cute. 
so you're you're more direct than I am. Just go right to the phones, uh, Dr. Mike. But we are partners here, and we are. Uh, he's a Moody grad. We're partners like that. Uh, Trish is my partner in ministry here as she helps produce Open Line. She's she's the one that tells me what to do every week. And uh, now there's also partners out there, people who partner with this ministry who really uh, appreciate it. They they love it. They want to keep it on the air. And what they do is they commit to be kitchen table partners. What they're doing is they're saying that uh, they, they want to give a monthly gift and be faithful. Uh, they can... They can just, uh, we can count on you for a monthly gift uh, to help support Open Line. And that, that's so, gr- I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for every listener. I'm grateful for everyone that ever gives a gift. But Kitchen Table Partners, you are really part of the team, and, and I, I so appreciate that. Uh, if you would like to become a Kitchen Table Partner, uh, the, uh, we would appreciate it. And what we're going to do is we'll send you a Bible study moment every other week. And that's a, an audio Bible study that I've prepared in advance. And you get it in your email, click on it, listen to it. It takes about five to seven minutes. Just a little Bible study for you as a way of our saying, hey, we appreciate your partnership in this ministry. And uh, uh, we, if you'd like to be, consider becoming a kitchen table partner, best place to do that is go to our website, openlineradio.org, or you can click, you can click on that link, or you can call 888 644 7122. That's 888-644-7122 or openlineradio.org. And thank you so much for that. Joining us right now is Trisha McMillan. She is the producer of Open Line. And Mike, you know this, uh, that Trisha is the one that tells us what to do when you're guest hosting, right? <laughs> She's a little bossy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. So anyway, but you know what? I, well, we I, love we love her. But I she need it. Tell us what I need to do. it. I need it. So yeah, she, I, it's during the week actually that I get the most direction from her. We need to do this. We need to do that. That's it. Would you do this promo? Yes, that's it. It's uh, anyway. So you have the mailbag there. There's a couple of questions that came in about envy. Yes, right? yes, which I was kind of excited about. Um, Lisa in Ohio listens to WTGN and wants to know if you can give any advice and scripture about how to live in fellowship with others and to love others without envy and comparison and to be content in the Lord. So, Yeah, well, the whole book is really uh, trying to get us uh, to do that by first recognizing that God has given us plenty, right? I mean, what do we have that we haven't received? If we've received it, why do we act like we don't, right? We we need to, I'm just quoting there, as Paul to the Corinthians, yeah. we, we need to learn, right, to say, okay, God has entrusted me with a certain amount, and I want to focus on being a good steward in my vertical relationship with God. And I just think there's so much that has to happen in me looking upward and thinking about that and saying, God, let me enjoy the good gifts you've given me. Let me be a good um, servant and a good steward of all of that. That. <clears throat> and then learning to, I got a whole chapter on learning to rejoice with those who rejoice, which I think people think is, uh, they think that's the easy one, right? The hard one is uh. weeping with those who weep, but it's easier for me really to have pain towards someone else's pain 
when I just have compassion for them, but to really rejoice, like when they have a child and me and my wife are being uh, struggling with infertility or they get a house and there's a housewarming party and really to sincerely rejoice with their blessing when I'm living in a, in a one-bedroom apartment and can't afford a house. Those are the hard things that we need to do. But all of that comes really down to the virtue of love, right? We think about uh, the first prohibition in the list that Paul gives in 1 Corinthians 13 is love does not envy. Mm. And so I try to make sure that we say, okay, if we want to get rid of something, something like uh, the vice of envy, we got to start focusing on the things that God tells us to focus on. And and love is going to, to squeeze envy out of, of this pocket of my heart if I just really learn to love. I, I've got two boys that are... Um, pastors, right? So that's my field. That's what I do all week. That's what they do all week. And I've never struggled with any of their successes because I love them with a kind of general grace of God love that God gives dads for their kids. I want them to do better than me. I want them to preach better than me. I want them to write better than me. I want them to do radio better than me. I want them to do everything that I do better. And it's natural for me to rejoice when they do something that gets recognized. You know, I, I, I love that. And and if I could just think of the pastor down the street the same way I think of my son pastors, right, that that, that would be great. Well, it, I need to learn to love. If I could love people better, I could truly learn to rejoice rejoice with those who rejoice. So I got a chapter on love. I got a chapter on learning to rejoice with others. These are the kinds of remedies that God gives us to really start to squeeze envy out of our heart. I'm wondering as a follow-up, uh, where does humility play? Did uh, I don't think, I don't, I don't believe, it's been a few weeks since I read the book, that you talked about humility, but I think that we think of others as more important than ourselves, which is Philippians 2, the exhortation before the great illustration, I think that would play into as well uh, to dealing with envy, don't you think? 100%. I see that the older I get, the longer I do ministry. Think of Paul saying in that context, I've got no one else like Timothy, right? He has a genuine concern for your welfare. Mm-hmm. you know. And, and, and then got, Paul's always seeing people selfishly doing even ministry, doing it selfishly. And I really do think the kind of selfless rejoicing with others, the selfless service that we give, it really is about the virtue of, of humility. And that's just to see ourselves accurately. That's even why the quote there, as Paul tells the Corinthians, to recognize that everything they have is something they've received. God mm-hmm. is a giver and a gracious giver to people that don't deserve it. So I need to see myself rightly, which is really hard for us as fallen sinful human beings, to say, I need to see that I'm not all that. I don't deserve all that I have. People kind of jokingly, it's become popular when you say, how you doing? They say, well, better than I deserve. Well, if we really believe that, <laughs> right? Right? If we really believe that, we, we would have a different attitude attitude toward others who do better than us. And yeah. I do think humility is a part of it, but I'll blame the Moody publishers who wanted this at 125 pages. Yeah, exactly. Why I, why I didn't have yeah. a chapter on humility. Yeah. I, well, listen, that, that's one of those ones, those, those, the sin of, of vanity, right? Of pride. That's the one that, that you never can control. That's the minute you think you got it, you're done. So yeah. uh, you're, you're, you're falling into it. Hey, so, uh, there's another question yeah. that came in about envy, Trisha. Yes. Yeah. The other question is from Margaret in Florida, listens to WRMB. She says, I struggle with envy. No excuses, but here is my story. I had a stroke at age 52 during a surgery, which left me disabled. I can walk with a cane, but I have no use of my left arm. I have serious envy seeing active people and with my memories of pre-stroke. 
so of how she how she used to be before the surgery. I try to focus more on all that I can do, like walking and swimming. Can you give me some Bible passages that might give me comfort? Yeah, I, I would take you to Romans chapter 8, because though we find such great statements in there about Christ's love, the context is really a church filled with Christians that are suffering, they're struggling. And um, I have a daughter who is paralyzed. Uh, she's got a spina bifida, so she doesn't have normal function of a lot of things in her body, but including her her legs. And I wrote a book in response to that life experience and all the pastoral guidance I had to give people who kept saying, oh, this is horrible that this has happened, and horrible for her, and horrible for your family, and why would God do that? You're serving the Lord as a pastor. So I wrote a book called um, uh, Lifelines for Tough Times, which really, you'll see weave throughout it, is the truths of Romans chapter 8, to recognize that really we've got to get everything in perspective uh, including our own disabilities if we have them. And of course, we feel that way about a lot of circumstances of life that God has taken something away from me. And uh, I deal with it, uh, themes of Job, themes of, of recognizing God's grace, seeing ourselves in perspective. There's more on humility in that book, which really does relate to envy. Uh, and and um, I, I just think to have even um, the response uh, of, of people that have had such disabilities read that book and respond favorably to it. I mean, Johnny Erickson Tata wrote an um, a, a endorsement of the book, which we quote on the cover, uh, and if there's anyone that knows what it's like to think back to pre-diving accident days and then know what it's like to be a quadriplegic and, and to try and get that in perspective, I mean, it's it's her. So uh, I, I do my best in that book. It's not, a, it's not a moody publication. It's a Harvest House book, but it still is one that you might want to pick up and, um, and and start to say, okay, how can I take my disability and see that in light of God's uh, sovereignty, God's grace, and what I can do with that uh, to cling tightly to the truths that we find in Romans 8? Yeah, I agree. And by the way, I met your daughter, and she is just delightful. That's, uh, what, a, what a girl. That's, now, did she just finish college? Is that... She's at college right at college. now. It was high school. Yeah. I remember when, when she graduated. Yes. Yeah, that, that's something really exceptional. So she is a, an exceptional young woman. So anyway, we're going to take a break here, and then we're going to come back and talk about the parable. How's that? Okay? Sounds great. Okay. Uh, you're, that's Dr. Mike Fabares. He's talking about his book. Uh, it's called Envy, a problem, a big problem you didn't know you had. Uh, it's a great book. It's one that will really help you uh, learn contentment from God, and that is uh, with God, and that's need. We're going to come right back. Don't go away. This is Michael Radelnik on Open Line. Welcome back to Open Line. I'm Michael Radelnik. So glad you're listening today. Uh, my guest is Dr. Mike Fabares. Before we continue talking about his book, Envy, A Big Problem You Didn't Know You Had, I want to mention uh, something that's really important. Israel is facing really dark days right now. Hamas attacked with that brutal attack and started a war. And now Israel is encountering all sorts of rejection around the world for their response uh, in that war. Still, God has promised the nation of Israel and the Jewish people a fantastic future. Chosen People Ministries, one of our ministry partners, is offering open-line listeners a free copy of their book called Israel's Glorious Future. 
This book reveals God's grand prophetic plan. It's, it's a beautiful plan that, where he will restore Israel, both spiritually, one day they will all know him from the least of them to the greatest of them, and also physically, when they're restored completely, all Jewish people brought back to their land, following and serving their King Jesus. So, to receive a copy of Israel's Glorious Future, go to our website. That's openlineradio.org. Scroll down, and you can, uh, you'll can you see a, uh, a link that says a, a free gift from Chosen People Ministries. Click on that. It'll take you to a page where you can fill out a form and receive your own free copy of Israel's Glorious Future. And I didn't mention last, out, last segment that the mailbag is the FEBC mailbag, the Far Eastern Broadcasting Company, and we appreciate their partnership with OpenLine. And I really want to encourage you to check out febc.org. You can see about their, their uh, podcast, Until All I've Heard, with Ed Cannon, who happens to be a congregant of Dr. Mike Babar's, goes to that congregation at Compass Bible Church. So anyway, that's uh, that's something I want you to check out as well. And Mike, Dr. Mike, Pastor Mike, what do you prefer, Pastor Mike or Dr. Mike? I prefer Michael Redelnik. Ah, <laughs> you know, people are always calling me Dr. Redelnik. I say, just call me Michael, and they say, no. So <laughs> I'm like, well, why not? People, people call me Pastor Mike around here, but that's I'll, great. Answer, I'll answer to just about anything. Yeah, I think our president at Moody calls, everyone calls him Pastor Mark. Uh, so... I think that's kind of cool. Anyway, uh, let's talk about the most... It just seems so unfair that people can work all day in the heat of the day, and then someone comes the last hour, and they get paid the same. Isn't that wrong? (laughs) Right. But but the punchline of that parable in Matthew 20 is just so good, right? And, of course, the figure of the of the man who hires these people to work, and he hires them at different, pays them all the same, which is a full day's wage, which ends up being that some people that worked one hour end up getting a full day's wage. It's the guys that worked full day for a full day's wage that say, that's not fair. That's mm-hmm. not fair. And and the punchline of the landowner, who is playing the role in this, of course, of, of, of God, says, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? There's so much to unpack in that line, right? Mm -hmm. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you, here's how the ESV translates it, begrudge my generosity? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so here's the deal, even that line, by the way, begrudge my generosity, is an English translation of literally what is in the text of, is your eye evil? because I'm generous. And that's, we get the evil eye, actually we get the word envy from that, invidia, Mm -hmm. uh, from the Latin, right, to to look at. It's like when when David, it's a good translation, starts uh, killing all of the Philistines and the girls are singing the songs about David instead of Saul, Saul is envious and it says he eyed him from that day on. That's how the ESV translates. His eye was on him. And it's not for good. We're not looking for good things with the person that gets the praise we want or gets the pay we want, right? We eye them to, to be critical. We eye them to find the problems. And so that parable is so good because it reminds us of a few things, that God is the one giving people all that they have. He is the generous one. 
I don't have, I mean, my hands, my eyes, I, I didn't make any of this. The opportunities I've had, when I was born, where I was born, all of this is a God thing. And God is free to do whatever he wants, put anybody in the timeline, give them whatever shape nose he wants to give them, whatever color eyes he wants to give them. God is willing to do, or able to do, and I should say, of course, he's able to do it. He's, he's the king. He's the creator. He can do whatever he wants. And I should be able to say, of course, he can be generous, more generous to someone else than me. And it helps us see ourselves as these petulant children saying, no, I want what everyone else. It's like the old Willy Wonka movie, right? The old mm-hmm. one. Right? Just it's, it, We have these bratish kinds of petulant child attitudes that I've got to have the most fair stuff for me. Mm-hmm. And that's where we've got to be really careful because God is the one dishing this out. And uh, I don't want to keep my eye on someone to be critical or to gossip, tear them down because they have something that I would like to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, I, I saw it when I was in seminary. There were some guys that agencies would uh, pick. I don't know how it was. They got picked up and they got a full scholarship. And then there were others who had to pay, you know, and they, they didn't get scholarship money. For, and there was a great deal of resentment about guys who had no, you know, they were just objects of grace from some agency that said, we're going to give you a scholarship. And you just look at it and you think, well, God is gracious. You're, it's not like I'm not getting what I deserve. You know, uh, it's that's the cost. And some people, God was generous with, and and then of course it causes resentment. And I think that that hurts relationships. And and I think that I I love the phrase. I like how it's translated in the HCSB. Are you jealous because I'm generous? And that's that's exactly what the problem is. Are you envious because mm-hmm. I'm generous? That's that's it. And so I think that's part of the what you were talking about before. When someone gets something more than we did, God was more generous with them, then we rejoice with them. That's what we need to do. We have to focus on rejoicing with with whomever with with whatever someone is rejoicing with. Don't you think? Yeah, for sure. And if if I said to you, and this is where it gets hard, right? There's another Bible answer host on Salem or Crawford or some other network. Yeah, I I, I hate him. He does a Saturday show, (laughs) and, you know, they give him a car, they have a driver, they give him a big paycheck, and here you are just kind of shuffling in across the campus to your—you could say, okay, I don't get it. I work as hard as he does. Why does he get all that, right? And that's where we have to say—even you use the word resentment. I can resent someone who comes to me on the patio after church and kicks me in the shin every week, and that's a kind of resentment. But resentment because someone has a scholarship and I don't, or has a better paycheck and I don't, we should just replace the word— Word resentment there with envy because that's exactly, exactly what it is. Exactly. It's the resentment of envy. Yeah. Uh, it's not the resentment of someone hurting me. It's not the resentment of someone stealing from me. It's the resentment of you have more than me, and yeah. that's just the wrong place to resent someone. Yeah, I'm really grateful. There's another Messianic Jew who has a call and talk show where he answers Bible questions, uh, and he's probably a lot better at, than I am. I believe uh, his name is Dr. Michael Brown. Another Michael. Yeah, and, I know Michael Brown. Yeah. And, I love him, and he loves me, and I'm so grateful to God that, that though he's on a, a different network and he does many of the same things that I do, uh, I'm glad that we get to be friends. And uh, so maybe that's good for me because we're friends. That's why I don't resent him. If he was someone I didn't know, maybe I would. I would have envy of him, but I'm, I'm grateful to God for that. But anyway, uh, we're going to come back next hour with just general Bible questions uh, for me and Dr. Mike Fabares. Keep listening. The second hour of Open Line is coming up straight ahead. If, you're pro, if your station doesn't carry it, check out the Moody Radio 
app or you can listen online, however you want to do it. During the break, check out our webpage, openlineradio.org. That's got all the links that you're looking for, including how to become a kitchen table partner or how to uh, receive our current resource. Our Bible study across America continues in the second hour with Dr. Mike Labar's Open Line with Michael Ray Donlick is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. <laughs> 